Hi, this is Brian Rosner's wife. I'm hijacking the podcast today because I wanted to correct him on some things. Gee, my wife correcting me on some things. That's really new. (laughs) It needs to happen sometimes. So what are you correcting me on? Yes, I wanted to point out that Brian um, often will talk about locations and he'll talk about pristine locations being really, really good, but then every place else being really, really bad. And that is has not been our experience. And so sometimes I take issue with that because I feel like it discourages people from actually getting out there, hitting the road, trying out locations for themselves because Brian um, and other experienced mold avoiders will just completely write off locations that I think would actually be beneficial to people first setting out. Yeah, I do think that's true. I hate to admit my wife is right. <laughs> She's right a lot. But um, I do think it is true that I easily forget about our early mold avoidance experience. And when we set out, I actually had not read any of the books and didn't do any research and it was more like survival mode, right? Remember, we just had to get out of our house and we bought an RV and we hit the road and I literally thought that mold avoidance meant getting out of the snow and going south for the winter. And we did make a lot of progress and I don't think that new mold avoiders are even really capable of identifying pristine locations for the first year or so Um, I'll let Leela talk in a second. I do tend to dominate the conversation, as you guys could probably guess. But um, that whole first year... Okay, so we went to New Mexico twice. We went to New Mexico once early on and then once later on. And the first time we went to New Mexico, it didn't even feel different to me than mediocre locations because we had so many toxins with us and coming out of us that it almost didn't even matter. So why don't you talk about Dragoon where we stayed for... Well, yeah, I always point out that the first year, actually it was the first two months that we were starting out in mold avoidance. We ended up in Dragoon, which is about, I can't remember, 30 or 45 minutes from Tucson. Tucson was no good, but Dragoon was good enough at that point that we ended up staying there for close to a month because it felt good and Brian actually started dumping um, there detoxing and dumping there and we felt like it was a a, actually a huge at that point a huge step in healing so dragoon was this wonderful healing place for us brian made a lot of progress in healing there and we then went back a year later and we only lasted maybe two or three nights because brian was not doing well there because at that point i guess he was so unmasked but at this point, Brian would probably say, oh, Dragoon's a terrible place for mold avoiders, but I disagree. I think it's actually probably a decent place for someone who needs to just take that next step in healing. Yeah, and I think that there is sort of like a phase one and a phase two of mold avoidance. And the phase two is what I'm just kind of coming out of now, so that's probably more fresh in my mind, where it is really beneficial, not just for healing, but also for um, stability to um, be be stationary and be still. It's very beneficial to do that because you can't live in campgrounds um, and you can't be on the road forever. So in order to commit to a, lo- a longer term location 
you know, and when I say longer term, I mean two, three, four, five months or a year, it does take more Moldavoid and skills to do that because you might be in the wrong location if you're if you're jumping on that too soon. So So would you say what are the goals then for that first year? To me, the the two goals that come to mind one is to learn your own body and learn how locations affect affects you and then two learning to distinguish toxins and super toxins from just everyday mold toxins but also um also uh, leaving behind like you talk about leaving behind your toxins so you get to a place in that first year you're just kind of detoxing and dumping everything and so leaving behind your toxins, I guess, would be a third goal in that first year. Is that right? Yeah, there's so many. You're learning so many new mold avoidance skills right off the bat. How do I do laundry? How do I replace my clothes or have minimal clothes? Where do I sleep because I don't want to sleep in conventional buildings? Or if you can sleep in conventional buildings and hotels, that makes it much easier logistically. But there is a lot going on in that first year. And probably picking the very most pristine place is not a top priority. And it is true that you can be so toxic early on and have so much stuff coming out of you that even if you showed up at a pristine location and you signed a lease on a six-month house and it was pristine and you had an experienced Moldavoider vet it for you and it was perfect, probably within three weeks you would have ruined it with this exponential massive amount of detox coming out of you. So it is sort of true that the moving around in the beginning is important. And, you know, there's other things we don't understand. A lot of mold avoiders are really driven to move around in the beginning. And some people talk about immune confusion and, you know, not staying in a place long enough to react to it. Or maybe our bodies have been so stressed and toxic that moving around exposes us to almost like probiotics in the air, breathing probiotics. There's actually some scientific studies on that, that if you the people who go through multiple locations and biomes are actually healthier. So there is sort of a lot of mystery in this process. And I think Leela is right that I sometimes just jump to conclusions and tell people, oh, everywhere is bad. You have to sit on a 7,000-foot elevation mountain in the middle of nowhere um, like we did to heal. But I do want to throw in one little caveat to that. Eventually, when you do get to that phase two of mold avoidance um, and you are looking for more of a pristine place and you are more detox, so you're not going to ruin properties right away and you do have those skills that it takes a while to develop. Um, if you prioritize mold avoidance, it will make it easier to have some quality of life. The place that we just lived a year and a half in New Mexico was only 20 minutes away from a great organic grocery store. And my wife and kids got to go to a local church that didn't have very many bad toxins. And I could go to town and not have to decon. And properties were cheap. And we didn't end up having a great social life there, which tends to be kind of a problem with mold avoidance. But my point is that if you sort of give in to mold avoidance when you're on the road and when you're doing it and when you're looking for that next step, it helps a lot to just say, okay, we have to go do mold avoidance. You might end up in a place that has a lot more options because you're not trying to stick around those really popular um, centralized areas. But I, but I do think it's super important to emphasize that New Mexico did not feel good to me in the first year of mold avoidance. We went there, we traveled through it. I went to City of Rocks, which later turned out to be a really healing place. And I didn't notice the difference because it was almost like I had my own cloud of toxins following me around. 
well, it felt good. It always felt good to you, and it didn't feel great that first time. Yeah, and it sort of does get into that dumping phenomenon, and this is a little bit controversial. The word dumping generally means that you just have so much toxins coming out of you that it can kind of stress the system. And it's sort of a touchy topic because some people think that, oh, this dumping thing is dangerous and you have to watch out for it, which I never personally felt. Yes, there were some times when I needed extra sleep or when it was a little uncomfortable and I took a binder, but the whole time it was like this blissful great feeling of healing, which is, of course, why people continue mold avoidance, right? They wouldn't continue it if it was just some other garbage therapy that made them feel worse. Um, so, um, but but the dumping thing is does dominate sort of the first like year of mold avoidance. We had to trade in two RVs in the first six months, one of them after only 40 days. And it was not because the RVs got moldy it was because they were so contaminated. And yes, we went to bad locations, which is another thing that happens in the early mold avoidance is you go to bad locations and you contaminate your stuff. But also there's so much crap coming out of the body that um, people always ask about what our HT explosion was, this hell toxin explosion. And it was doing laundry inside one of our RVs, which is a big no-no and HT expands in water. But I am very convinced that that trailer was already loaded with HT that was coming out of us and that the doing laundry in the trailer just sort of pushed it over the edge. So these kinds of circus acts and crazy things are going on in the first year. And yes, it is. One thing that Leela mentioned about Dragoon, we spent a month in Dragoon. We found a full hookup RV park there. It was privately owned, so there were no stay limits, and the owner was very sweet and wonderful, and she let us spread out, out all of our stuff. And I do agree that in that time period, it was more important to spread out, to have good weather, because we spent a lot of our first two winters in the RV in good weather, learning avoidance. How do we do laundry? How, what do we do with HT? That was more important at the time than thinking that we could find perfectly pristine air. And in fact, for that whole first year, we wouldn't have been able to find pristine air because we didn't have the skills, we weren't unmasked, and we were too toxic. So one example of what we've been talking about that's come up a lot over this past summer is I have a friend who has contacted me. She and her husband and children are doing mold avoidance, and they are maybe about four to six months in and they have done a lot of healing in places where Brian wouldn't step foot in now. So for example, there was a place um, in Utah that Brian visited this summer and he didn't do all that well there and kind of wrote it off as a bad place. Well, they ended up there um, this summer and ended up staying there for like a good month, I think almost four to six weeks, because her husband, who was very, very sick when they said auto mold avoidance, was actually doing a lot of healing there. He went on his first like hike in like two years and just did a lot of healing in a place that Brian uh, you know, would say is bad at this point, but it was good enough for him and good enough for them. Yeah, I think that really highlights that people shouldn't be too intimidated by mold avoidance and think they have to get it right and do it perfect. They they should just get out there and try it. And it's much easier, especially early on. And I do think that is one of the big risks and problems we have now with a lot of experienced mold avoiders calling the shots and running the show on the groups is that there's this sort of like intimidation that you, it's so hard to do it. And 
really the gains and the feeling better and the health improvements early on are so profound and dramatic, even when you screw everything up and you don't do it right. Or even when you're in locations that are a little better, but not perfect, there's just so much healing to be made, so much progress to be made early on. It's a very hopeful message. It's not a message of if you make one wrong mistake, or if you stay in one place overnight, that's not perfectly clear that you're not going to make progress. I mean, it's just not true. Now, do I think we would have been better off hightailing it right off the bat to a pristine location? I don't really know. I don't know that that question really matters because nobody's even capable of that. I just think that people should not be intimidated um, by avoidance. Yeah. And Brian talks about New Mexico being, you know, really, really good, which it is. But we did not do New Mexico for the first year, right? Well, we were there for just like a week or two, but then we didn't move there until a year in. Yeah. So for an entire year, we were doing extreme mold avoidance on the road and we did not go to New Mexico except for maybe a week. And Brian still made huge, huge gains in that year. Yeah, I do want, this is a good segue into talking about sort of what I feel is like phase two of mold avoidance. When we were in Dragoon the second time, it was like we were maybe, I'm just going to guess and say 18 months into, a year and a half into mold avoidance. And I was kind of stalling out at that point. Remember, we had just been to LA to do Ozone and we had taken the kids to Disneyland and we were going to go somewhere for the winter because Reno was too cold. And and I was I, I was a little bit stalling out, but it was also the peak of intensification. Um, some of my mentors have said that they're most reactive to mold toxins at 18 months. So I was kind of in that boat. And that's when Simca started mentoring me and teaching me. And when I went back to New Mexico and I felt like that was the time when we had the skills and the ability, and we sort of had our feet under us. And that's when, do you remember when we went to City of Rocks? And it was just like, I mean, that's when I just started dumping and detoxing so much that I had to take a shower every 10 minutes, or I wanted to take a shower every 10 10 minutes. That's when we found our first lease on a little uh, 400 square foot, brand new um, guest house casita I don't want to confuse people, not a casita travel trailer, a little casita guest house that had RV parking. And we were able to have like four or five months of solid rock solid stability that summer where that's when I felt like the real heavy lifting and the deep healing was, was, was starting. So there is kind of like this second phase of mold avoidance that I'm sort of admit that I'm like obsessed with. And Leela always says, but you forget that the first phase. So I do kind of admit that I'm obsessed with that second phase because I really felt like there was something very deep that shifted. So I think the message here really is that Leela's right and I'm right, that, that there is this whole first phase of, I could be a marriage counselor. We're both right, right? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no way. She's still right all the time. That's okay. Um, there is a first phase and there is sort of a second phase. And there's a lot of experienced mold avoiders that end up in New Mexico now. And now I can tell, I can say with confidence, oh, I did want to mention this one point, okay? I have been in and out of New Mexico now probably 30 or 40 times. If you count, you know, driving in and out to go scout for places, going to LA where I was getting a lot of ozone. I mean, I it's been a lot of times that I've been in and out of New Mexico And New Mexico is a healing place for mold avoiders. It is very clear. It is very special. It does something magical in the mold avoidance process. 
I have talked to a couple of people who right when they get into New Mexico, they get horribly sick. This is like a thing now. People say this. There's one girl who we met three or four years ago, met online, not in person, and she was very, very sick. And she's still very, very sick and has made almost no progress. And she can't tolerate New Mexico. Now, I'm not blaming this on her. Mold avoidance is hard. There's no finances. There's no family support. I'm not saying she should have done better. I'm just saying this as a scientific observation. If people are going to good locations like New Mexico and they're having severe problems there, it probably is a problem with their dumping and their detox and their body not being able to handle the detox as opposed to it being, oh, well, I just feel like I'm different and I'm special and this location doesn't work for me. Sorry, that's just not how it works. The locations, how many people do you know? Go ask your normal friends on Facebook, your normal family. Hey, do you crash when you go over a state line and you can't function? Like, no, that's a specific mold avoider thing. Like, this is a specific thing. This is not everybody's different. And so, If people are going into New Mexico and they're having an epic crash and they have to turn around and drive home, I would suggest that you look into clogged detox pathways and infections that are so rampant that you can't detox. And for me, the silver bullet for that was 10 pass ozone. And I'm not saying that that's going to be work for everybody. I'm just saying that's my story is that when I would get into trouble, I would run down to my wonderful ozone doctor and I would get 10 pass ozone. It sort of allowed me to continue to do mold avoidance. And so when I was in New Mexico, after I got 10 pass ozone, I was able to do what most of the other experienced mold avoiders do, and that is to identify it as the right place to be. So I just want to caution people on who you listen to. You know, when you hear people say New Mexico is bad, think about what might be happening in their body and their detox channels. They might not be ready for it. They might not, um, but it's not bad for, for this illness. Now, if you are a normal person with diabetes and heart disease, maybe it is bad because of whatever reason, elevation or whatever. But for the specific illness that Eric Johnson discovered that is mold illness and mold reactivity, it's pretty much standard. Okay, so we're getting kind of close to 20 minutes and... I just want to end by thanking my wife, Leela, for being so supportive during this process. Um, You know, mold illness often does affect whole families at a time, and we're not sure if that's genetic or whatever, but clearly I was the most affected one, and so Leela was extremely loving and supportive, and so I'm very grateful for that. And I'm also grateful that she stays involved enough in the mold community now which she doesn't have to do, she's got better things to do, to kind of, you know, correct me and help me and make sure I'm remembering everything correctly. So thanks for doing that. You're welcome. (laughs) All right, guys. So that was a transparent podcast takeover where Leela got to say whatever she wanted. Of course... Did 90% of the talking. Yeah, I I definitely dominated there. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Next time, just put a muzzle on me. I wish. You guys, let us know if you liked hearing from both of us. Maybe it's kind of cool to hear from a spouse, too, because my voice gets really boring after a while. So drop us a line. Um, Feel free to private message Leela and tell her thank you. And we hope you guys have a great day. Just a little disclaimer here that I always have to do at the end of all my podcasts that me and Leela are not medical doctors and this podcast is not intended for medical advice. So if you have a medical problem, please talk to a doctor.